Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2018. My name is Amato, and with me are... It's Adam. And Tori. Just to clarify, your name is not It's Adam. <laughs> if he said it, I'd know Wait, who you're talking about. Wait, are you Adam? I'm more of a sub, ironically. <laughs> oh, that is quite ironic. I'm more of a Tori, ironically. Mm. I am thrilled to be here for an inaugural episode of this podcast. Um, how do we start by talking a little bit about what we expect this podcast to be? I expect this podcast to be a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on, on a, like, nuts and bolts basis, mm-hmm. basically, it's going to be a fan fiction book club, which is to say I found a way to get you two to read fan fiction with me and talk to me about it. It's, it's a very diabolical plot you've I know. here. At least for the time being, it looks like I'm going to be the dictator of choosing fanfics. So <laughs> you're just going to have to hope... That it's good stuff. Eventually, yes. we might move into a constitutional monarchy of choosing fan stuff. We might. And um, then full communism will eventually overthrow you all. Because <laughs> my English degree what will does, take its rightful place in the universe. What fanfics need to be reviewed most from a communist perspective? Oh, I would say all fanfics, as all fanfics all, are all, equal. Yeah, all of them equally, of course. Thank, <laughs> thank you for giving me that. We might have I to stretch pretty thin for that, just the first <laughs> sentence of each fanfic. Uh, for the time being, under dictatorship, I think we're going to be doing a lot of anime fanfiction, and we're choosing stuff from the mostly 90s, uh, maybe early 2000s, because retro is in our title twice. Twice. Um, yes. I'm, I'm kind of looking at 2003 as about the end point, and that's mostly because that's kind of up to where I read fanfic yeah. when I was younger. Yeah. Not to date us all, but I'm the youngest, so I'm 29. So mm-hmm. we 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 live in we lived in that period of fanfiction. We, Did you we were read young, a lot of fanfiction back then? Actually, I think not a ton. I read a, a lot ton. of fanfiction after that period, or mm-hmm. building up to it. So my fanfiction area of expertise is a bit later than this. Mm-hmm. So this has been interesting. It's been uh, very retro. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. It's good experiences for me as well. We're going to be trying to choose fanfics that I think might have been good. The point in this specific podcast is to read stuff that's worth talking about and not just in a complaining way. Um, We might still hit some duds that we complain about for an hour, but that's not what I'm... Yes. I'm not actively searching for it. Also, the the complaints might be directly proportional to the amount of fan Japanese in any given fanfic. (laughs) Yes. I think that's accurate. We all have our areas that we are concerned about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ready to jump into the fanfic? Yes, let's. Well, today we have, oh, for our very first episode, we have The Weakest Link. It is a Sailor Moon fanfic by Gradient with a plus in front of that word. How do you say that? Plus Gradient? (laughs) I think you just type it. I don't think you say it. It's like some witch house shit. I don't know. Superior Gradient? (laughs) Anyway. Gradient evolved. (laughs) It is by Plus Sign Gradient, who seems to have been active in the Sailor Moon fanfic scene in 1998 and 1999. This specific fanfic was published July 1998, and it was published at the very least on Gradient's own website, which is still up online. Uh, It's a tripod site that's still online. Oh my god. At gradient.tripod.com. We also set up a bit.ly link to that site. So the tripod lasted longer than Geosites. Geocities. Cities. (laughs) You know, you know, the, I used to think it was Geocities. Isn't it Geocities? It's I think Geocities. it's the other way. It's one of the two. It's Geocities. Yeah. Whichever one I think it I is. I always thought it was Geocities when I was a tiny baby, but I think it's Geocities. <laughs> now that you're a tiny baby, Dom. No, I'm, I'm quite a large baby. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're extremely large baby. <laughs> well, as I will probably say many times, it always makes me happy when the place where we find a fanfic is on the website of the author, because that is the retro way to do it. That and news groups. Um, you can find it there, like I said, and we're also providing a link there at bit.ly slash RFR, the weakest link. Um, apparently, this one wasn't posted to Rec Arts Anime Creative, uh, which was one of those major sources for sharing fanfics. That's one of the mine shafts you uh, mine for ore a lot, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, it is. 
Um, in this case, though, I found this fanfic through the best Sailor Moon fanfiction on the web, which is the name of the website, um, which I might be returning to again. I, but once I read this, I think I read it back in the day. It rings a hmm. bell. We can move on. Want to talk about basically how Sailor Moon familiar we are all before we get into the summary of the fanfic? Hmm. Well, um, my Sailor Moon experience was getting ripped episodes from you on CDs like about three at a time in high school and using that method to get through the entire series at some point. Did you? I I think I never finished Supers, but I've yeah I watched it all and I read a whole lot of Sailor Moon fanfic and um, I cosplayed as characters from the old Sailor Moon musicals back in high school a couple times, so that's how deep my rabbit hole goes. Personally, I cosplayed as Sailor Moon for Halloween in the fifth grade, and I started watching it when I was five on television, and I made. Me and my friends, our own versions of our own little Sentai team based on Sailor Moon, because that's the only Sentai series I'd actually seen besides Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, if you can consider that, or Biker Mice from Mars. Anyway, (laughs) Sailor Moon, hugely influential. It's a show about girls who spend a lot of their time literally just sitting down and talking, talking about boys they like, talking about games they play, talking about things they're interested in, making fun of each other, teasing each other, eating ice cream. How could you not love that? That is the quintessential girl show. And I grew up with that. Like, that was the only thing that made me love, you know, the idea of being a girl because that is really degraded in our culture. And Sailor Moon really uplifted that for me. I I was obsessed with Sailor Moon. I actually recently dredged up from my childhood bedroom a Sailor Moon lunchbox filled with sequins and glitter and Sailor Moon trading cards that I got from the Sanrio store at the Mall of America because that was like the first Sanrio store that I'd ever seen at the Mall of America in Minnesota. Like, and I was amazed. I was like, what is this? And it had stuff from Supers and like stuff that I hadn't seen and characters I hadn't seen. And I was literally, I'd take that out of my secret, top secret Sailor Moon lunchbox filled with glitter and sequins and Sailor Moon trading cards at night when I was lying in bed as like an 11 or 12 year old child and look at those and just like fantasize about what these things might be and what, you know, what sort of transformative superhero I could be. So that Sailor Moon had a huge bearing on me. And I read the manga when I was freshman in high school and that also was it's hugely formative because it is so much more serious and taught me a lot about pretty girls and being gay for pretty girls and you know that you know, how can you say no to that two things first i think you then have our sailor moon seniority among this group mm-hmm. i saw like two episodes on tv when i was in sixth grade but yeah. uh that's a year late well, I will say that I was five when I first saw a few episodes, but I didn't start religiously, religiously watching it until <laughs> I was about nine, and Tsunami came around, and then I would have to sequester myself in... We had two TVs in our house, downstairs and upstairs. I would sequester myself in the room with the upstairs TV just to watch that one episode at the end of the first like R arc when she finally realizes that she is... The Princess of the Moon Kingdom. and I that, think that's like, classic, but yeah. Memory is her, like, number one love. Like, I would sequester myself in that room. Like, no one can interrupt me. Every time it came on, every rerun, <laughs> lie down and just, like, cry a little bit. Like, someday I will have this eternal love. So, very formative. <laughs> is I that think, too much? Uh, no, I, I, I That's just enough, I think. Uh, I think so. <laughs> And I think you're not alone, because Sailor Moon was one of the big fanfiction scenes. And I judge the cultural impact on of everything based on the amount of fanfic it had in yeah. the 90s. <laughs> um, it was one of the major fanfic scenes among anime fanfiction in the 90s. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was in full gear by the time Stars was coming out, like while the series was mm. still on in Japan. And that scene continued really strongly up through like the whole era we're going to be looking yes. at. And so... There were a couple of major sites hosting only Sailor Moon fan fiction. There's a whole bunch of crossovers of all kinds. And it's a deep well to mine, which is why I'm excited to yes. look at some of it, because there's a lot of really good stuff. And I, I'm looking forward to the Sailor Moon fan, uh, fan fics that cross over with other major 90s you know, yeah. uh, watershed things, like the 
the Sailor Moon Seinfeld crossover. Oh my god. <laughs> I have no idea what that would Seinfeld look like. Into this. <laughs> We're trying I, to live in a society, Usagi. A society. <laughs> All I know is there would definitely be an extended conversation about how okay or not okay it is for Mamoru to be dating Usagi mm, in the first place. I, I, I love somebody okay. to have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard, you know, growing up with that and thinking that was romantic. I think that was, that's a harsh reality of Sailor Moon. Like, I think it's beautiful in many ways, but like, fuck that. But they're spent... destined moon lovers, and that means but age he's like matter, 20 right? and she's like 14. Like, get that, that off. That is true. Yeah. Do not. I, do I don't that. like the phrase destined moon lovers. I, something about. <laughs> destined to moon lovers. As a, someone who's read a lot of manga that includes a lot of shoujo manga, this is actually kind of a fairly common theme, if not a yes. drawing point for a lot of different manga. A younger girl, older Honestly, guy. Honestly, um, like a huge age gap. I was rereading um, Cardcaptor Sakura recently, and I do remember being very young and thinking that the relationship that the fourth grader mm -hmm. has with her teacher yeah. was romantic. I thought it was beautiful, it romantic. portrayed as romantic. Love. No, like it affected me deeply emotionally, and that is literally how girls are groomed in our society to be exploited by pedophiles and rapists. So I will, not to bring it down and too heavy, but I do <laughs> want to say like that is a very serious thing that we should put on the table right now and say, no, those things are not okay. Absolutely. And they're formative experiences for us, and they affect how we perceive this media. So we'll say there's a lot of romance in Sailor Moon that I related to, but I'm not going to go into that uncritically because that was kind of a grooming thing that was put on me and many, many, many other people. So, Well, speaking of things that Sailor Moon the series puts on the table and then doesn't really bother thinking about deeply... Very, very key to the series' cosmology is this whole idea that the characters are reincarnated from the past. And the series itself yes. is, I'm going to say, pretty much uninterested in exploring any consequences or, like, fallout from that. Yeah. I have so many questions about that. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you right here, most really. of those questions are not answered in the show. They're yeah. answered in the fan fiction I'm going to have to write after reading all these fan fiction about the Silver Honestly, I, I appreciate this fan fiction was really going into that. Absolutely. I, and so... I really appreciate that. I'd like to start by summarizing the fanfic. For some fanfics, I feel like you can just kind of summarize it in a sentence and then start talking about details. For this one, I might like to spend as many as five or six sentences summarizing it. And let's kind of go through it step by step, I guess, uh, if you want to jump in. Okay. then we can have asides. Sure. So this fanfic is set before the start... It's not set. It begins before the start of the series, one year after Minako's first transformation, because she started being a Sailor Senshi way before anybody else. Wait, which is also a, a like a sequel or a prequel I would love to see, just Sailor V. Sailor we v, are going yeah. to read exactly that fanfiction at some point. We are going to read Awakening Part 1, which is just the Sailor V Fanfic. Yeah, Sailor V was always one of those mysteries as a child. I think, you know, media can really hook children with the mystery. Like, what happened when she was Sailor V? How did it happen? But yeah, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to get into it. I, I'm always happy to see Sailor V stuff also. In this fanfic, exactly one year after her first transformation, she detransforms and a crystal appears. And then it skips forward, because there's a lot yeah. of time jumps in this yeah. fanfic. And Artemis brings the crystal to Avi and like says, hey, can you look into this? Scary detransformation where she like lingers too long and the light is too bright. Oh yeah, that's right. There is that weird, yeah, it doesn't just appear like, like pop, it's like a weird yeah, energy like feedback thing. Like, quite scared of it. And so Artemis hands it off to Avi to study saying, hey, this thing happened. I wonder if maybe it might happen to like Usagi. Can you like look into this and see if you can like magic computer get any info on it? And she says, yeah, sure. And she takes it. And we're going to get into that scene some more. I want to talk about it more. But in terms of the outline of the fanfic, the same thing does happen to Usagi one year after her first transformation, and, you know, it happens to Ami, like clockwork, and Ami's not making any progress, and the crystals start getting destroyed or lost in suspicious manners yeah. while under Ami's watch. And so Minako and Artemis become suspicious of Ami and investigate it, and sure enough, she's, like, secretly keeping them, and it turns out the crystals unlock memories from the Moon Kingdom, and it appears that the reason that Ami is sitting on them and not sharing them is because they are showing memories from the fall of the Moon Kingdom of the Silver Millennium that indicate that either Princess Serenity or Sailor Mercury 
brought down the magical shields and al- allowed yes. uh, Beryl's uh, army to come along in. Along with the place. one other person. Was there one other person there? I didn't. Yeah. Isn't that implied? Two people were at the gate. Somebody was watching. Ah, okay. Somebody um, was watching, but wasn't that two Mars? Two people were, were, were Mars and Jupiter were, were We can, we can cover that. All right. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a point I will point to, but Amato continues the summary. That was basically the summary. I mean, okay. that's... We could get into the the climax more, but we'll probably get there. I just wanted to lay out some groundwork. Mm-hmm. So that having been said, where do we want to start discussing it? There's quite a bit to discuss in those. Um, I agree. I would first like to identify that, you know, we have, you know, this is our first formal podcast, read um, four other works before this. We read some fanfics before. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this one was extremely well written and very gripping, very engaging. Um, There are a few points where I had like a a tenuous sort of confusion that I had to quite like come back and reread, Mm -hmm. but you know, of... The effort, the amount of work the author put into this is very apparent, and their their skills as a writer is very apparent. And I would like to like give them some props for what they've done here. Yeah, that's a good place to start. I'm hoping that we're going to read some quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely like the best fanfic I've read recently in terms of just writing chops being shown. Yeah, quite. And they really delved into the personalities of the characters in a way the series actually doesn't. And I thought it was very appropriate and well done. I thought, for the most part, characterization was absolutely one of the strong points of this. Mm-hmm. With, yes. with maybe one or two exceptions. But, like, two of the main characters are Minako and Artemis. And he mm-hmm. nailed the Minako-Artemis dynamic and the characters yes. of both of them. And, and I, like, I really love that dynamic it. in yes. general. Yeah, being the junior Sailor Moon member here, you sent me a few episodes I could watch to mm-hmm. get reacquainted with the series. One of them was the volleyball episode between uh, mm-hmm. Future Love and Artemis and Minako stuff. And I... I Watching it, I just kind of fell in love with that dynamic. It's right really away. great. And one of the things I love about it is that there's this whole thing where, like, Artemis, they were, like, real tight partners back when she was Sailor V. Yes. And there's this sense by this point in the series, this is set around S somewhere, you know. Yes. There's not a whole lot Artemis can do for Minako anymore. Like, she doesn't really need him in the same way, but there's still, like... But he still feels that, like, direct responsibility and partnership yes. with her. And he questions it a lot in this fanfic, like, what would have happened if I had met Ray first, for example. Mm-hmm. Or he questions, he wanted her to have this normal life, like, thinking, like, oh, you know, what would have happened if they never had this relationship? And he remembers his experience in the Moon Kingdom being merely, like, kind of, um, I don't know, servant, mm-hmm. I guess to essentially and not having that special relationship. And I feel like that's very appropriate to how the series is framed, that they have a special relationship. There's not a lot of insecurities expressed by the characters that are quite as deep, especially not by the cats. Mm-hmm. They don't express a lot of insecurity. Like, except maybe Luna in the, the uh, super movie where she falls in love with that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Anyway, my point is, is that, like, this delves into Artemis's character in a way that I think is, it makes total sense. It just, it isn't done in the series, but it totally fits with the characters. Like, everything. And you you never see them really question each other. Like, the Senshi really question each other in the series. Yeah. But of course they do. They're teenage girls. There's, in any relationship, there's insecurity. I just thought this focused so well on insecurities and tension and friendship and what friendship means. And then uh, layering an ancient uh, magical yes. destiny on top of that makes it that much more complicated. Certainly. And like, if this was quite... It made so much sense. If we're talking about that tension, one thing that I want to gush about is the characterization of how the different characters react, not react to the revelation that Mercury or Serenity probably betrayed the Moon Kingdom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether they want to actually find out, and also that Ami is hiding things from them. And so, for example, I thought Mako's reaction rang really true, where she's kind of shoot the messenger about it. She's like, when Minako brings it up, Mako gets angry at Minako for raising, casting suspicion on Ami, Mm -hmm. not because Mm -hmm. she doesn't believe Minako, but because her attitude is just like, let it be whatever. Like, I gotta trust Ami that, like, whatever she's doing, she has her reasons. I don't want anything to come between us. They had a pretty yes. good quote there, didn't they? Something about it's better to 
be deceived by a friend than to suspect a friend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's better to be, yeah. Which is apparently a quote of some right. kind that yeah. I didn't look up. I didn't but, do research. Yeah, But that's I mean, that, that rang really true for Mako, where, like, it, it did. the most it important actually... thing for her is that they all be tight, and, like, she doesn't need the truth. I thought it was very hard to hear. Like, as someone who's always loved her character, you know, related to her as, like, the fighter, you mm -hmm. know, and, like, all of that... You know, I'm not a person who would rather be deceived. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's... I think that relationships are so tense and complicated. So the Moon does, as a series, portray them as a little more simplified. And that's what we idealize about it. But that's not to say that this is a wrong way to look at it. Like, I think that was appropriate to the character. And I think... You know, for me, if that was hard to hear as a reader, I think that actually brings, like, a very legitimate, real adult tension to the series that isn't necessarily present in the, the series, but the, is very real. The, the layering of the fact that the problem itself is related to an ancient kingdom. The, the question is, they ask themselves a lot, is, is it even relevant to their right. lives mm -hmm. at all? And it, it depends. And, like, Minako has that yes. conversation with Artemis where... He's saying, like, you know, after you lost your memories after Beryl, I was against waking you up. And, like, and then we had to, but it was because I want, I feel like I took your normal life from you, which yeah. is always a tension with Minako, because she was, sure, like, yes, the most certainly. normal to begin with, and so she kind of had the <laughs> right. most to lose and there. And she was always, like, so popular and carefree in her life as yeah. well, you know. Idol aspirations. Yeah. And so Artemis yeah. says... She's an idol I've, in PGSM. So. <laughs> in the conversation, this fanfic Artemis says, I feel like I took that from you, so I was against waking you up. And Minako's like... I feel you? like you would have been stealing that from yes. me like, yeah. if I... you had done that. And she's not angry at him. Like, she gets where she's coming from, but she's mm -hmm. saying, no, that's good. That's part of me. That's important. I need to know everything that I can. Yeah, I have and... to say. I'm sorry. Oh, no. And she's also just the one in this fanfic that is not going to let Ami go on this. Like, mm -hmm. she's kind of figuring out how she wants to do it. but And she's the only one who's like, maybe I should just tell Usagi. Like, you know, nuclear option. Well, Bring this out of the open. That sounds say... like she also used that as a threat a lot. Too. Right, right. Yeah. But I have to say, I related, and I think this was the author's intention, I think the author also did relate most to Minako mm -hmm. in this story, in the sense of, like, wanting to know these things, but, like, it was put in this kind of almost responsible way. Like, I don't necessarily agree mm -hmm. with this author's sense of this, but, like, that Minako was being held back by, like, the responsibilities of her friends, but, like, I'm Minako in this situation. Like, I will deal with and parse my own feelings as they come to me. And this ring, like, just... I think you can tell it rang very, like, intensely true to me. And I think that's very great character development. Like, I kept thinking, like, Iminaka's situation, don't hide the truth from me. Like, I need to know this. I need to process it on my own. Like, context can give me my situation and my reality, but I need to know these things. And I think, like, you're carried through the story by her desire to understand it to know, because we are carried by the same desire, because we want to know. This yeah. is a mystery that we want to know, too, and we're carried by Minako through the story. But we're also seeing, you know, all these people holding back from us, people that, like, seem to care for Minako. I think it really puts the reader into Minako's place to think, like, I have the same curiosity, and why are these people that Minako trusts holding back? I think that really creates a very intense tension. I was going to say something, but I forgot. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, that was this all good. It's a very emotional story for me. But with all, all these um, character characterizations, uh, I realized at the end of it that I started off the fic thinking, oh, it's called The Weakest Link, so obviously they'll point to one person mm -hmm. and kind of make that the problem. But at the end of it, I didn't really come away with a sense that no. Any particular one of them was the weakest link. That they all have their yeah. issues, so they all could have been seen that way. Yeah, I feel like yeah. the title is supposed to be ambiguous, and you don't you don't find out who it was. It's a suspense story that where too, yeah. you don't. It's a suspense story, but Ami is clearly suspicious from early on, and the revelation that she's hiding these things is not even the climax of the story. <laughs> it's kind of like the starting point of the story. It's like they, they've narrowed it down to two options, and either right. one makes all her actions makes understandable. Sense. Sure. Yeah. It, it makes total sense whether she's trying to protect herself or protect Usagi. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and there's actually, there are two people, I do want to identify this at the end of the story, that um, when Ray is hypnotized, she says they're both at the gate, they're fighting, and then... 
Yeah, that was a so Ami. Who are they? It's that was Ami and Usagi fighting. Really or Mercury and Serenity, depending on how you want to play. Yeah, is that, is that who yeah. it's supposed to be? Because I did have that question. Yes. Dragon Dragon and lost a grip. Yeah. Um, even, they don't even get into motivations for, like, why mm-hmm. one of them might have done that. Right. And, like, you could make some guesses, but, like, mm-hmm. maybe... Maybe Serenity was being them fooled in, in some arms. way through her romance with Endymion. Yeah, or like, yeah. Like, that they would make sense, they but you don't find it. They have them in their arms. Nope. Venus has the one that opened the gate. Mm-hmm. So they have them in their arms. Venus has the one that opened the gate. They're coming towards me. I can see who she's carrying. And they never reveal who it is. Right, yeah. So, and, so, and who is the they that has them in their arms and who's the they Well, it was um, Jupiter so. and Mars were watching. So one carried one, one carried the Mars other. Mars was dying. Was Mars dying at the time? Yes. Mars <laughs> says she was dying. Um, here. Who is about to die? She's still trying to fight. Burning, burning. It's Mars, it's me. Makoto jumped in panic. Stop it, Sio, stop it now. Wait, not yet. Monogos are intently at Ray. They have them in their arms. Venus has the one that opened the gate. Mm. They're coming toward me. I can see who she's carrying. I think they, then, is just Venus and whoever was in Venus's arms. No, they said they have them in their arms. So, I mean, I guess they could be using them. But, like, they know... Hmm. Hang on. <laughs> Venus is the one. That, I guess they could be using it as the non-binary singular mm-hmm. to say that's, Venus has someone else in her arms. That's how it's I read like, it, actually. Okay, and I read I, it as multiple people, actually. It's because there were two people trying to at the gate. the gate. Well, maybe they have the both gate. in their arms. I don't know. I was thinking there were two people carrying, each carrying one person. So I think it's a, a, I find that quite ambiguous. I, in any case. It's a difficult thing. I think it's a really cool thing about the fanfic that you don't need those answers. That's not what the fanfic's about mm-hmm. at all. That's about their tension. Well, that's a sign of a good thriller yeah. where it's not the twist or the problem that's the story. It's everything else around it. The character yeah. characterization. Yeah. I can speak English. <laughs> no, and it was. I, I just, maybe I'm just too much like Binaka, but I just couldn't follow. You were trying to crack like, the mystery. I really do. I, I would want to know. But the author also says at the end that uh, I would like to hear from you. Just don't ask the question. If you read the story and consider what you think you already know about the characters, it should have been obvious. It was to me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know. I know. Death of the author. <laughs> I don't care what Gradient thinks about that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's just Start up in here, get some assertism. Let's uh, read some Barts right now. I'm, uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I didn't get this English degree for nothing. Now, in, if we're talking about characterization, the one characterization that felt off to me was Ami. And mm-hmm. not that she found out about this past life controversial betrayal and hid it. Mm-hmm. I totally yes. buy that. Well, uh, because she has that in her to, like, just kind of do what she thinks is right yeah. for the situation and, like, carry through with it without support from anybody else. Yes. I, it's that initial conversation with Artemis that reads really yes. strangely to me. Yes. Because that's... No, that threw me off so hard. Yes, I agree. That's the one time you get any glimpse into Ami's head, because for the rest of the fanfic, you yeah. basically don't. She seems very cold in this, and I always read her as very kind. Very, what, was that, what was that conversation like? I, this co- I'm going to read a few selections from it. Artemis shows up to Ami's with the crystal, and she's like, hey, hello, Ami. And she's like, oh, hello, Artemis. And, you know, Artemis is thinking, like, you know, we haven't... He's thinking to himself, we haven't really talked very much personally one-on-one, which is true enough. But... Um, mm-hmm. She asks, so I assume this is on business? And he says, in the end, in a sense, I've got a mystery that's been eating at me and I am at my wit's end in trying to solve it. I thought maybe we could use your special talents to assist. That's a good kitty. Purr and sweet talk me just a little more, she thought, as she put on her most sincere look of surprised interest. And then later on, um, he tells her what he knows about the crystal. And he says, oh, and one more thing. It's probably a coincidence, but I'll mention it anyway. The day that this happened was the first anniversary of the day that I first reawakened Venus. Ami chose her next words carefully. Well, this is a mystery. Was that an acceptance? Artemis continued. I don't really expect that you'll find out much more about it. It's probably not that important anyway. I was just worried that something might be wrong with Minako. Ami smiled. He's smooth, much smoother than Luna would be in this situation. Thrown down the little kitty gauntlet, so to speak. I guess I have no choice now. 
It's very yes. weird. It, it, I, that was the only characterization that was out of place for me in it. I felt like the author was trying to set up for Ami being, like, secretive and guarded, but that didn't need a setup because, no. like, I, in, in reading or watching the series, like, you never get that. She is honestly insecure a lot of the time, very timid mm-hmm. and very caring. Like, she can be secretive in her kindness. She but can to, be like, secretive when she be, needs to be, but she's yes. not secretive when she doesn't need to be. No. Like, which exactly. is what this seems to, to think, be. To think these kind of, like, passive-aggressive things about Artemis, yeah. like, it just felt so out of character. Like, that was a huge sticking point for me because I felt like the author was trying to set her up for being deceptive, but it wasn't necessary because, no. like, being deceptive actually isn't in her character. But the motivation for her deception in this situation makes sense. And that's all there needed to be. It yeah. wa- was out of character, but it was in tone with the fanfic. Though. It was in tone, but yes, it did feel like It made his... Ami seem... Yeah. So rude. It, it's like the author got so into Ami later in the fanfic mm-hmm. that they kind of pulled that backwards into the beginning of the fanfic before yes, she's supposed to yes. know anything about this or have any reason to be secretive. Like it's an evidence of a rewrite or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I agree it was in tone, and it was interesting in that because of that weird off-conversation, which is like the second scene, third scene, whatever, mm-hmm. no, you're suspicious of Avi from square one. Like, it's not... The yes. mystery, there's no mystery there. But like, you know that, like, you should like, be I, peering at Ami. Sailor Moon, you're, like, extra suspicious. You're like, why is Ami acting like a fucking bitch? <laughs> like, what the hell? I think it would have been fine if they kept the scene but just took out the internal dialogue, just kept the <laughs> external dialogue I as agree. it was. That would have been much better. And also, keep, like, the keep tension, Artemis's, the tension yeah. was so, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Artemis is quite right that, like, Artemis doesn't okay. chat with Ami much, and so it's a little bit awkward that, like, he's showing up and he's like, hey, I have something to talk about. But sure, if you keep that all on Artemis's end, that would have been plenty. Also, yeah, it seems like Ami, like, predicts this as a habit from Artemis to, like, show up and ask these favors, which there's no evidence of, really, in this series. Too, no, Artemis... I don't think. I, feel, I don't think that's quite it. I don't know, because she just... Because she's like, that's a good kitty, purr, right. and, like... Get my acceptance. Like she predicts him to be like like they've done that. something like like this yes. before. I, yeah. yeah, no, you're what, right. That's true. I think that's a tone to me. Like, like people come to her all the time saying like, "Hey, use your magic computer to like solve this problem," which I don't which, think is textually no, supported. Not true. And you know, <laughs> she never shows any evidence of a series of like finding it to be an issue if no, something like a chore comes up. No, I. Yeah, I didn't... That was the only character that kind of rang... Well, and actually, Makoto rang a little untrue for me in her, like, denial of the truth. I don't know if that's just because I show her favoritism, but, like, there was a point at which I was, like... She's not all, like, about punching, and I don't know. I think... I think that's fair in an absolute sense, that maybe Mm -hmm. that was played up a little bit too much for Makoto. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Given she, she was the Minako. one to be given that role, though, in this context, yes. Um, but like how she acted toward Minako was like fairly cold a lot of the time, and like mm-hmm. I just I feel like she wouldn't really do that. She's a kind of she's a protector of like everyone in the group, you know. And yeah, like, it works for me because Minako. Makoto and Minako have a history of like getting into like heated yes, arguments and then making up later. Yes. Like it happens I a couple suppose. times in the series when they're forced to share a power up episode. But they also. We're they very were cool. About like, episode. Makoto, maybe Makoto's character just didn't come out enough for me. Like, she was all just like in defense all the time. Well, I you think know, it's... like she's just so defensive. I'm like, Makoto is so much more than defensive to me. Mm. I think it kind of fit with the characterization of someone who was protecting their friends, even oh. from their other friends. And certainly, but I felt like more could have been done in that in that sense. Makoto and Usagi are way downplayed in this. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yes. the only I one, the, main thing, yes. the only character who is less important is Luna. And I mean, also and, seriously downplayed. Somebody likes Artemis. I, I appreciated it just because so often if you're writing about Artemis, you're writing about Artemis and Luna. Well, That's I, true. I also so, think Luna gets a lot of screen time in the show. Yes. Yeah. Not, so. not as much as Artemis. So I appreciate it in the sense. more for gags in the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. I liked it just because it meant that they could really like laser focus in on Artemis. But you're right; it was a, Luna was really sidelined. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, when you say it like that, it it kind of makes sense. I really did appreciate the focus being on Artemis. I don't think he gets enough 
airtime in the show. Like, Luna gets so, so much airtime. And she doesn't get that much more than Artemis, but yeah. I think she does. Much more, I think. Okay. I think she gets a lot more. I mean, especially considering Artemis, like, when he comes in at first, you know, it's like most of the way through the first season, and then he doesn't get too You're much, right. and then he gets more, and then he doesn't. It, I don't know. So also, now uh, that I think about it, there are like Usagi a good 30 a episodes of like Luna being a main character. Yes. Yeah, there's also the uh, fact that the character Artemis is paired with is a secondary character. Right, that's true. Compared mm-hmm. to Luna being paired with the main character. Mm-hmm. So just. Absolutely, yeah. The That's ratio of Usagi to Monaco compared to the ratio to their sidekicks is I think diminished, diminished. That's yeah, true. Yeah, this author kind of has the same intuition I did, which is I want to know more about Sailor V. Like, they were kind of in that sphere, which I think is great, honestly. I and think it is a good thing to explain. It is a bit unfortunate a lot of the other characters were downplayed, but I think for the length of this work, it probably works out pretty well. If it was a longer work of fiction, you can get more Can't be a longer it. work of fiction, because I want to know how it really ends. <laughs> the good news is there's lots of really good Sailor Moon fan fiction. I know, but this ending was very unsatisfactory. I just have to put that out there. I, I like this kind of ending, but, you know, I'm a big Utna fan where I'm okay. like, you found out what you needed to know. You don't need to know any of that other stuff. I hear you, but there's a certain amount of ambiguity that I think is necessary and a certain amount of ambiguity that I think is just, like, taunting the reader, and I felt quite taunted. I don't think it's quite taunting as much. I th- kind of like to see it more in contrast to uh, what you would normally see, it, mm. especially in, like, a cheaper or more mass-produced fiction. When they produce... When they have a mystery, they they want you to guess it and then feel feel better for solving it, and that's and that becomes the point of that of that work, in order to make you feel better rather than to explain the story. As someone who's watched a lot yes. of Detective Conan, it gets kind of yeah. old after a while. I mean, okay, I guess what I'm saying is that the, it was really honestly the author's last comment yeah, about that like you taunting. should be able to figure it out. I know I did like. I'm like, you wrote it. <laughs> like, you wrote this. Of course you could figure it out. Maybe they didn't know when they were writing. Yeah, yeah it takes the mark I mean, of a great mystery author to be able to stump themselves. <laughs> I, I kind of like it because I feel like I would write something like that, where it's like, the answer is probably something like this, and who knows, I'm done. Sure. <laughs> it's not that I don't appreciate that as well, obviously. It's just that, um, yeah, that author's last comment left me like, they made me think, oh, this is so obvious. And that made me feel dumb, and I don't like to feel dumb. Mm. End of story. <laughs> like, it's not, though. Like, to me, it's not. I think when and a work leaves something open to interpretation, where there is many, there's many possibilities you could explore, I think that's spectacular, because I don't think any one reality is a true reality. Like, in my purview of the universe... Nothing is everything, everything is nothing. We're all one and nothing is, like, the whole thing that we are. Like, you know, you could be anything and everything is everything. Everything is nothing, everything is one, one is everything. I don't care. But when an author says, I made an ambiguous ending, but you should know what it actually (laughs) is, that frustrates me. Because an ambiguous ending actually makes sense to me. Because ambiguity is the state of the universe. Uh But it seems like they didn't actually intend it to be ambiguous. Exactly. Uh, I'm just just ignoring them. Guess. I, I, I See, it. that I do not like. It's like, guess what you thought? Guess what, bitch? I'm not you. I didn't really, That's how I feel. I didn't really read that as antagonistic as that. I kind of read it more what? as that that thing you think. Yeah, that's right. More, yeah, okay. more that I feel. hear you. It's well, just, more sort of leaning into the ambiguity it's of, just hard to, of whatever you'd like it to be, then that's huh. what it is rather than what okay. I tell you it is. I guess I feel you on that. It's just... I don't know. I yeah. I guess I just read it more as like this should be obvious, but it's not obvious to me because nothing is. So. There's one more little characterization thing I kind of liked. Um, yes. You got a couple of brief scenes with Ami and Usagi, and she's trying to get Usagi to pass a <laughs> astronomy test. And I mean, she writes a little song for Usagi. There's a quote in that like very first scene where Ami's thinking there was no way that she was going to let her fail this science test, especially on this subject. If it took a song, she would write a song. Which I like just because Ami has this grim determination that her friends will pass their tests and, like, move on to mm-hmm. high school and such. Doesn't she mention something about Usagi going to college at one point in here? Mm. Like, getting Usagi to college? And I'm like, what makes you think that Usagi possibly wants to go to college, Ami? Mm-hmm. You think she's going to keep going? I mean, I guess she keeps going past compulsory education in Japan because she goes into high school. But, like, 
Mm. Uh, but but it's totally in character for Ami to it like mm-hmm. be one hundred percent devoted to getting her friends to pass these important tests, whatever, mm-hmm. pass their classes. I thought it was cute. I, I do like the idea of a Sailor Senshi having trouble on their solar system <laughs> test. The little song she writes is just like, hey, you remember the order with like little things about each of the people who you actually know representing those planets. Yeah, I thought that was really cute, to be honest. <laughs> like, and I thought that the author was really creative to come up with that song. Yeah, and it's also totally in character for Ami to just like write a song for fun at some point, because like, she gets an episode where she's totally into songwriting and lyric writing in supers one time. I don't know if that okay. was supposed to be a call out, but... <laughs> Any other topics that you want to discuss? Most of my notes are just confusing about Sailor Moon lore in general. All right. Well, I think I sent you that episode where they go to the ruins on the moon and, like, Queen Serenity tells them a little bit about the backstory. So there is an intense relationship between Artemis and Amy in the... the, anime? Artemis and Amy. No. I mean, no, not not at all. Not at all. But also... One of the things about Sailor Moon, like I said, is that it's really uninterested in really delving into the backstory. And that means it's a huge yeah. playground for authors. <laughs> like the Silver I mean, Millennium true. stuff and Past Life stuff, everyone has their own ideas because you know so little that you can pretty much just go anywhere with it. I, I had so many questions just from watching that one episode. Like, they talked well, about like, the mm-hmm. Sprinty's the princess of the moon yes yes which meant that whole planetoid is one nation yes apparently yes and, it's and a Demian, nation named the silver millennium yeah and is endymion a prince of the moon or no he's the prince of the earth prince. he is at least a prince of the earth and that's all yes. we get right we don't get whether he is the prince of the earth but he is a prince of the earth also how do they get from the moon to the earth not explored <laughs> Um, some sort of like super because pa- they teleport to the moon as a sunshade team. So yes, it's some sort of magic. But does everybody like does no. Prince Endymion get up there? With, no, like how, but how he, do you do that? There must have been some sort of magical teleportation highway or something. Right. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, I know. From that know. very basic thing, we have to make Look, a guess that seems reasonable, to... and we just created our own fan. <laughs> Look, Amato, it just <laughs> happened. Okay. Stop asking so many questions. I, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying the series gives you nothing. And that means it's that true. every author brings their own version of the Silver Millennium. And I'm gonna, it's, it's going to be interesting to compare them. I'm, I'm guessing uh, Prince Endymion took the public transportation that took the uh, residents who lived in the Moon Kingdom but worked in the Earth Kingdom <laughs> on a day-to-day oh basis. Uh, also, I like, think... When was the Silver Millennium? Do we... Um, the oh, dub nice. gives you some like crazy figure like uh, yeah. two thousand years ago, and you're like, "What? That doesn't like make the any birth sense." Of Jesus. <laughs> the, <laughs> in a lot of Japanese oh, franchises, God is Endymion Jesus. <laughs> they seem very comfortable with just having an, an advanced ancient civilization some time ago. Yeah. yeah, it was just a long time ago. It was just yeah, it was one of those times, you know, like Greeks, Romans, Egyptians. It was one of them. The, the Grand Caesar people. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, Grand Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Grand Caesar had an ancient civilization that was some, like, ridiculous number of years ago. Mm. All the main characters were direct descendants of the people of that civilization. Hmm. Direct descendants from people a million years ago. Like, probably everybody else on the Earth was a direct descendant of those people because, like, it's been that long ago. Personally, I'm a direct descendant of the dinosaurs. Got some bird in you. Got a little bird. (laughs) A little lizard. Canadian bird. I'm a reptilian. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't know if you know. I joined the Illuminati last year. No, like a lot of paperwork, I think. <laughs> no, mostly just flicking my tongue a lot. As a Jew, I have to object to lizard people taking over the secret world government. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand. Do you have else to talk about? Does uh, does Ami have a lab in the anime, or is that just all? She does not. Okay. No, she's quite smart about science is her shtick. She's a little more a super scientist in this fanfic than she is in uh, yeah. the source I was gonna material. Say, she, she makes equipment and technology in this. Is that common? Never. No. The only tools she's she uses are the academic. visor and computer. Yes. She's quite and academic like, and she, ha- yeah, she has her own personal visor computer as a sailor, essentially. And she 
She never really it. does much science experiments no. like I mean, this. I remember but early in the month. believe oh, she's capable of it. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a little stretch, but it kind of works. There's a scene early in the manga where, so in this fanfic, she sets up a lab in a hospital through her, through the patronage of her mother, who is a doctor, right? That, that is in the anime. That that is not in the anime, but her mother is a doctor in the manga. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of see where they're getting this from because there is mm-hmm. one scene in the manga where like they have this ancient, super awesome moon sword, mm-hmm. and they yeah. take it to Ami's house and. And they tested on a diamond, and she's like, yes. check, check it out. It, it I can, mean, that was sick. It can cut a diamond like nothing. And they're like, uh, is this okay? And, and she's like, yeah, it's fine. My mom has lots of diamonds. parents are, like, super rich <laughs> in the manga. They have, like... Yeah, they have, like, they, they just fucking cut a diamond, and nobody cared. I, I still, like, that lingers with me to this day. It's a good scene, and it's memorable. It's and I it can is. see that's where they get the idea that, like, well, her mom's, like, rich and influential sure, and a doctor sure. and can set her up with stuff, I guess. The, you know, I was surprised with the amount of, like, forethought that was put into all of this. Like, in the basement, you know, this room that they've constructed is, like, oh, some thieves must have come in looking for medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, and that they have this, like, super chilled... Like, when they talk about the hospital remodel, they give the specifics of what they're trying to remodel the basement into. I was like, that's a lot of thought that wasn't necessary necessarily necessary that's why i was to put into it it seemed too specific to be a fanfic construction it was it was they put that's the specification in like and they talked about you know the hospital like they're making the whole basement into like a super chilled medicine area but it they i don't remember specifically what they said i apologize it's going to be so chill (laughs) it's quite chill out down there but they made it very specific, and they, they they put so much thought into this. It like almost seemed like some research was devoted to the idea, though I don't know how old the author was. Like I, I yeah, always think know. of fanfic authors is quite young, but they obviously had like a knowledge of certain things. I, you just kind of assumed adults would have something better to do with their time, correct? That did yes. Do or I mean, you know, the world one would fiction. assume we had something better to do with our time. But yeah, that's a general assumption. <laughs> But we're here. But no, yeah, they seem to put a lot of time and effort into the specifics of this and then kind of flail a little bit on certain character details, which was interesting. Did you guys like how the first part was structured with them jumping around in time narratively? I thought thought it was unnecessary. Confusing. It it was like, wait, T minus what? Because always like three months ago or, you know, one week ago. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure what point they based. That was very frustrating because... I could not at all figure out what time period we were supposed to be in. Right. And I still haven't. And that was one thing I meant to bring up. Like, I was like, what is the reference point? Like, is this one week before the previous thing we read? No, it's not. Okay, what is it one week before? Like, it it really made... It was too much. If they kept a consistent present-day reference point throughout those jumps, yes, it would yes. have been a little bit easier to yeah. comprehend. I felt like that was kind of... I'm still not sure it would have been a good idea. But. So, we, yeah, we start in, quote-unquote, the present, and then we go 16 months ago, and then we go well, three months ago. Well, 16 months ago is the one that did need to be labeled. We can yeah. flash back to right. Artemis and Minako being, like, their own team. But then it says three months ago, and you assume that's three months before the 16 months. At least I did. Oh. But then it's not. It's no. not. So and then my second assumption was it's three months before this, like presumed present that we've never actually given been given a context for like Mm -hmm. and then things just kind of jump around so weird after that because i specifically remember something saying like the next day i'm looking at saying six weeks later or something like that it's two weeks ago then Mm -hmm. the next day which is like the next day from two weeks ago but that's not how they've been labeling no. it until just then. But then, yeah, it was something that said, yes, thank you. Because I think it's inconsistent. I honestly do. I think they've been consistently labeled. Because there's definitely a point where it was like, it said like, one day later, it's been six weeks since the crystal from, uh, I think it was um, Ami's crystal appeared. Or Usagi's crystal appeared. Yeah. And it was, like, one day later, it's been six weeks since Isagi's crystal appeared, that, that felt quite confusing to me, because it didn't seem to be one day later from the our initial presumable present that we saw, but... It, it was unnecessarily uh, confusing. And correct. the present, you know, that it builds up to, is once... 
Minako becomes suspicious of Ami. Uh, and yes. there's no particular reason for that to be that. like the, the T minus zero that. point. It's, yes. it's very strange. No, it's, it's quite confusing. Um, and I don't think the author intended it to be that confusing because I think they must have confused themselves. I really do. I think it probably made perfect sense in their mind, which is why yes. they didn't really look twice at that structure. Maybe. I, I think they were... I, I actually think they might have tried quite hard to make it consistent, but got kind of lost along the way mm-hmm. and kind of said fuck it, which I think happens a lot. When you put a lot of time and effort into something that's not actually paying you monetarily or, like, in any other way, you're and just it, kind of it, like, oh, it's the best I can do. And if you don't have an uh, editor or something to... Correct. I do notice this fanfic does not list proofreaders, which is unusual, because mm. usually they do. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean they didn't have proofreaders, List. but usually they say thanks to such and such people for proofreading sure. or whatever. For writing I mean, a shampoo side story. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The author seems like a little pretentious. Like, I'm not trying to be insulting, but like, they often make jokes about around vocabulary. Let me quote they, a little something. They use, they use quite a bit of vocabulary that I think is quite unnecessary, which makes me think they're not. Here at the author's note at the end, Ami's quote near the end came from noted Nigerian musician yes. Babatund Olatunji. Mm-hmm. Makoto quoting La Roche, Rochefoucauld? I don't even know how to pronounce that. It could happen. Oh, I know. Oh, and there might have been a rather large allusion to a particular work by Dickens in the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, the so tale I, of two studies. I hear allusion. where you're coming from. Just a little. Yeah, it's, it a like little, a, it kind of sounds like a 16-year-old. Like, just somebody who's like, I know literature, and I'm so smart. <laughs> well, they're actually referencing the movie version of Tale of Two Cities. Oh my god, you're so right. The, the 1935 black and white version. Dom, you're so smart. <laughs> what is the reference to that? Uh, it's the movie they're watching. Oh, She's oh, watching in, in, in yes. English. Yes. And don't they reference it also at the beginning? Or was it just in... The, no, it was the film. They're quoting the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Minako and Artemis That's actually kind of a nice scene. That's where, a cute scene. Yeah, where yeah, Minako right, and right. Artemis are watching a show together, and a she's, work by Dickens, she's translating it which into is Japanese. Which hilarious, because they're re- referencing the film version, and they say a large work by Dickens. They don't even acknowledge they're referencing the film. Like, I recognize... I haven't seen that particular film, but I read A Tale of Two Cities, and that's why I recognize... The last line, it's a far greater thing I've done. Yeah. You know, but, you know, it's also kind of like, I'm sorry, I don't want to sound, like, equally pretentious, but it's kind of a basic thing to reference. Like, it's something that most kids read in high school, or, like, you know, but, like, they try to, they sort of seem, like, the author sort of seems like they're making it into a big ordeal. Well. To be honest. I mean, I'm not, like... Bring it up to at least Dostoevsky. (laughs) Also a high school, re- but yeah. no, my point is, is, like, the author seems to be very, and I'm only saying this because I used to be this way, but I was a kid like that, like, <laughs> oh, I know so much about literature and I could reference it, that makes me like an adult, it makes me so smart, like, they seem to be kind of, like, trying to push it out there, rather than making it, hey, look what I referenced, like, they literally, at the end... Here's all the things I referenced, but oh, this one you have to guess because, like, eh, I'm so smart. Yeah, you it, know, it's, it's only cool if you. Silly. It's only cool if you walk away and don't look back. Yeah, not turn around and point and say, "Hey, hey, hey look what I did! What I did! Look what See I did. that? Yeah, isn't that cool?" <laughs> but then you know, once you get to be like in your thirties, like us, it's just like, "Hey, look what I did! I'm ashamed." <laughs> <laughs> Backing up to that Minako Artemis scene, there. Like you were saying, Dom, they're sitting watching Tale of Two Cities in English, and Minako's translating for Artemis, and the author goes into a little aside about how, like, the cats mm. have magic language powers, but it's basically telepathy. That's quite interesting. So, in fact, they don't understand a thing of media from, like, indirect sources. I, which you, you get the impression they, they know Japanese, Japanese though. Yes. Well, yeah, she's, you do get the impression, which... Raises the question, where do you Japanese. learn Japanese then? I mean, I guess maybe they spoke it in the Moon Kingdom. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. the Moon Kingdom well, was obviously, obviously <laughs> Japanese. No, I know. I That threw me for a bit, too. I was like, so technically the cats only know Japanese, but like, what? It, I guess all of the girls were reborn on Earth in Japan. Right. So maybe that is the reason. Uh, I mean, quite all these questions that are never even raised. Uh, but I do Whatever. know Artemis can work a computer, so 
Ardwis needs to have some kind of language skills I'm there. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you see the cats reading signs at some point. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting to think about, like, what, you know, Neokotakuchi's, like, original intention was for this kind of silver millennium, like, mm-hmm. whether that intention was to be that they all spoke Japanese or what was the situation because it isn't a whole kingdom on the moon like none of them should speak Japanese I, I like, think that sort realistic. of practical thought was left by the wayside along with who was making the food for the kingdom and the people on the moon mm-hmm. sort of thing it was the rabbits yes of course they eat mochi <laughs> it's a lot of gluten well they have magic yeah. <laughs> are we about ready to wrap this up I believe you know there was another point in here. Oh, it was something, you know, with Ray. Could I speak to Ray's character? In we haven't at all yet, so we yeah, probably should. I felt like that was important. I felt like her spirituality was really important. The fact that she was extremely sensitive to the crystals because of her connection to her spirituality, I thought actually was really well portrayed. And the, the one thing that I found, you know, kind of off was Monaco convincing them to go to the psychiatrist and Makoto being so angry about it because it affected Ray so dramatically. Like, Monaco did give a little push, which I have involves a lot of character, but also, like, Ray is kind of the one who dives in on these situations yeah, and yeah. takes responsibility for herself. And I've always loved Ray's character for being just strong-willed and not giving in to that. And I kind of felt like there are more situations where she needed to be protected than when she was, like, being her strong self. And I felt like that didn't resonate very well with me for her character. Yeah, it was a little strange. I yes. I thought Minako pushing that was fine because Minako is a very, like, problem-solving, yes. goal-oriented person. Yes. So she's like, hey, yes. we need to learn about our past Not lives. Always, Let's go to a... like, very strong in the foresight. She's kind of, like, right. immediately very thinking immediately, but... So if we need to learn about our past lives, let's go to a past life hypnotist. But I felt like Ray was portrayed as like more... A therapist, is that right? Yeah. They didn't say hypnotist, they said therapist. Seemed to work like hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Which is different than... It's a little... quite unclear. It's a little narratively odd that like, Ray's like, ah, I don't think that's going to work. Like those guys are Mm -hmm. a sham. And it works 100% perfectly. Well, it's also due to magic crystal. That's true. I just felt like Ray could have, like, to be honest, it was a frustration for me there. I felt like Ray could have done so much more on her own. Ray was positioned as like this kind of. I was going to say, in terms of what to do about the situation yeah. itself, she was given the role of like, I'm not sure. Like, let's slow down and think about yeah, this. Yeah, that doesn't and sound that, great. To it me. was a little off. You may be right. I, I didn't. I don't know. You'd think she would have strong opinions in one way or another. Yes. I mean, Ray is very... Star- I think she would have taken that crystal and she would have read it no matter what and she would have done it again. I think that they didn't... I think they made her more susceptible or vulnerable mm-hmm. than she naturally is. More susceptible to suggestion or vulnerability. I also think that, like, her powers, like, were shown to be quite strong and they didn't get her very far. And that, especially ending... The fanfic on the note of Makoto supporting her home mm-hmm. and shooing Minako off like that. Like, I especially think Makoto is usually very kind to everyone and, like, telling Minako she should have gone home didn't seem fair or appropriate in the situation. I understand that, like, it was meant to be, like, her respect for the situation and what was most appropriate, but, like, she seemed to show favoritism to Rei in that situation, which seemed out of character. And I also think, like, with Ray, she didn't play much of a role other as, like, a channel for this energy. And that it's not very Ray-like to me. Yeah. So I did take I issue you. with that characterization. Though I understand where the author was coming from, because the elements of those characters play well to that, with Ray being a channel for the supernatural energy and Makoto being a protector type. And one of the strengths about Sailor Moon as a basis for fanfic is that there's just a lot of ways you can take the characters and have it not feel, mm-hmm. not feel totally wrong, mm-hmm. feel like viable. Mm-hmm. 
So if you guys had a point of the fanfic that really struck you in a wrong way, what, what, what would you say it was? That first conversation between Ami and Artemis hmm. felt very off to me, but we discussed that already. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with that. I just also think Ami's characterization in general, I think that, you know, she can be protectively secretive and very, like, shy and embarrassed and ashamed within herself in a way that she won't let things out, but, like, to be, like, discreetly kind of, like, spiteful in her own brain and to be passive-aggressive mm-hmm. and to be, like, this hidden and shit, like, it didn't seem like her to me. And and that resonated. And also just, like, the lack of presence of Usagi. Like, I thought, yes, there was a nice kindness to the fact that Usagi's kindness is a huge point in her and her, like, lovingness and forgivingness of people. They acknowledged that. But the fact that she didn't play any active role, and I take issue with this over and over again, is that, like, yeah, she's kind of klutzy and ditzy and, like, does silly things, but, like, the whole point of her character is that she's strong when she needs to be. Yeah, I would like to have seen a yes. serious Usagi trying to handle the situation. Yes, because she's serious sometimes, yeah. and she can handle these situations, and they didn't give her the opportunity. You're right, and most of the characters don't really seem to consider that possibility at all. Exactly. Either. It, um, they take so her very right, lightly, and yeah. just because she comes off as a lighthearted person doesn't mean she's incapable, and she's not incapable. We've seen that over and over again in this series. Is there any point that you found off-putting, Dom? I think not being as familiar with Sailor Moon as uh, you two, these off-characterizations, I definitely noticed, but it didn't bother me as much. Mm-hmm. What I think I would have liked to see different is um, formatting changes mm-hmm. in the writing itself. Like, with a whole one week later, one week earlier. Mm. And I like the ambiguous ending, but it could have... They could have written it like it was an ending. I actually finished the fanfic and then double-checked to make sure I was reading the right thing, mm-hmm. the right amount. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it was all a mistake. I meant to send us the Sailor Moon fanfic, The Weakest Link, where the characters go on the game show, The Weakest Link, mm-hmm. which is on fanfiction.net, and you can find it. But it was a happy mistake, right? I was trying so hard not to make that joke the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> what have you done? A motto. Please. I ran into that fanfic when I was finding oh this God. one. Oh, my of God. Course. Of course. Right. I almost took you seriously for a second because of what happened last week where you sent us the wrong thing. Or the, was a couple the times ago, yeah. one, yeah. When we were doing test oh runs. God. I almost thought you were serious. I'm about to cry. <laughs> Well, you are. No, that one's fanfiction.net. It's a little bit past our purview time frame wise. No, that, that's right in my wheelhouse, just about. <laughs> yeah, true yeah. that. Uh, anyway. What were you, Amato? What do you think? Oh, you already said yeah. Yeah, what nice. do you think the strongest points in this fanfic were? I'm going to go with Minako and Artemis's characterization and dynamic. I think the characterization's usually very good, but the author focuses on those two and it works. And it feels really good, um, and it's really nice to see that dynamic explored in this context, uh, since you don't... It's always there in the show, like the few times they address it, but they don't dwell on it. Um, but it's a really fun, heartwarming, nice, respectful dynamic that it's great to see highlighted. Yeah, I think ever since I rewatched that episode uh, about a week ago, the artist Monaco relationship is one of my favorite things about Sailor Moon. So it was nice yeah. to see that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you it's not all that much more. I mm. gave you the best Artemis Minako episode there. I, I kind of figured. It is <laughs> I I'll, overall thought this was a very strongly character-driven plot, and I thought the writing was very succinct. There were points where there were elements of confusion, but you know, rereading that just one more time, I was able to parse it and move through it. I thought that the f- it flowed quite well, and the characters were, despite you know sometimes being lacking, it was a character-driven plot that made sense and gave me a sense of suspense throughout the entire thing. You know, I was on the edge of my seat, and that's why I'm so frustrated by the ending because I'm like, I need more. But you know, that's kind of good writing when you think at the end, I want to know more. I thought it was honestly quite excellent writing. I think if you did have more or did have a, um, a permanent solution, it would be less satisfying than 
it is in this mm, form. I don't agree with you, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that said, uh, you can write us a new ending to this fanfic and bring it oh, next I time. Well, we will definitely read that. But on yeah, there. no, I was on that show my seat. I thought the writer, well, the writer did a great job. You can bring that in, and we can review that on our new podcast, Retro Fanfiction, Fanfiction Retrospective. <laughs> retro, retro, fanfiction, fanfiction, retro, fanfic, retro, perspective, cutting edge fanfic. So hipster, it hurts. Yeah, it's What word? <laughs> Cutting edge fanfic deep cut. <laughs> oh no. Yes, that will be the sister I'm podcast. Retrieve my vape really quick. <laughs> I'm about to vape just for the audience now. Because you can't hear that. You need to narrate it. I'm vaping right now. I don't even know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's close this out. Wait, did Dom say what they liked? Oh, maybe not. I also liked the, I, I mentioned like the Artemis Monaco thing, but I really liked a suspense story that wasn't based around the answer or the solution. That, that, that mm-hmm. was character-driven. You're in a way unlike that, me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a way that made it feel, uh, that that was the thrilling part. What, what yeah. people thought about what happened rather than what actually happened. It's the, I've never seen it, but it's the impression I get about why people like that one, um, OPB show about the old manor. What? No. <laughs> Here, just hit this vape. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think those are all excellent points. I think we've wrapped up The Weakest Link. Next week's fanfic is going to be Autumn and Spring, which is a post-series Rodma one-half fanfic by Angus McSpawn. I'm pretty sure that's not... Their real name. Yeah, yeah I the certainly name. hope not. <laughs> Angus. Someone, people are named Angus. Sure. They, like, there's yeah, Scottish. Beef. And maybe there's a proud beef. clan McSpawn. You don't know. McSpawn. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, they're um, who Todd McFarlane is descended from, I think. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds right. And so that will be our first time jumping into Ronmo One Half fanfic uh, on this main series podcast. Which uh, should be exciting because it's also a very deep well with characters that get pulled into all kinds of different shapes and directions from their original canon. Well, will this one be as problematic as the last one we read? Uh, probably not. Can I oh. reread the bite <laughs> from from the test run fanfic that we read? Yeah, that was my favorite part of that episode. <laughs> I want to read that over and over again. I might just everyone. spam that in the feed every few episodes. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I'm a great reader. So, this was episode one of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Weakest Link by Plus Sign Gradient. Again, you can find a copy of it on the author's personal website. Uh, the short link is bit.ly slash rfr, the weakest link. All one word, lowercase. All one word, lowercase. I'm Amato. I'm Sailor Tori. <laughs> I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Screw those moon life forms. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off the album Pulpy's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Okay. That's good. We don't need any moonlights carrying messages of love. Yes, fuck that. We got a... Yeah, I got my imitation of Japanese words that I don't actually know. It's probably bad. It fits. That's how we all learned Cruel Angel's thesis. Oh, my actual favorite thing was complete lack of fan Japanese. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs)